I'm Austin Meek with Waco Business News, and you're listening to Downtown Depot, where we track the ins and outs of Waco Business. My guest today is Peyton Bryce, AKA Prescription. We talk about his roots in West, how he's connecting Waco's hip hop scene, and his new record, This Is Change, that dropped this week. Welcome to Downtown Depot. Hey, man. Appreciate you having me, man. So give our listeners an idea of your story in Central Texas. I know you kind of spent a lot of time in West. You spent a lot of time in Waco. What's your history around here? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I grew up in West. I went to school in West, which is only like 15 miles from Waco. Um, and definitely started making that, that that Waco trip often, you know, at a young age. And, uh, and man, just kind of... Got into music on my own, kind of out there, and you know there wasn't really a lot going on out there. I was the only person making music and releasing music. So once I found people in Waco re- making and re- releasing music, like I kind of just uh, started tapping in with everybody, and just uh, kind of just stayed at it, man, and and just kept trying to build and build and build. You know what I mean? And then tried tried to never slow down. We definitely slowed down a couple times, but tried not to slow down. Uh, I just feel like. Coming from the small town, um, I had a lot of drive to find more people, and I think that always still to this day. Um, I'm always trying to find more people to put onto the music, put onto my music, put onto Waco music, because a lot of people out here, man. You know what I'm saying? Coming from the town of 3,000, a lot of people out here, man. For real, for real. I don't mean Waco. I mean the world. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think uh, coming from West, and then I think they really make you want to get it. You know what I mean? Small town make you want to make you want to do bigger things. As a young kid growing up in West, what were some of your early musical memories? Like, what's the record you put on, and still to this day, it takes you back to being on the porch, hanging out, listening to music, and made oh, you fall man. in love with the sounds? Um, oh, man, so many. I mean, rap wise, like my first, the first rap influence for me, I guess I would say, was like Bone Thugs and Harmony, like that. That. Bump, 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 bump. I don't know what it was about uh, Bone. I, I, gra- I gravitated towards them. I had, I had, uh, the, I probably bought that first East 1999 CD probably like ten times in my lifetime. You know what I mean? Um, uh, so that for sure. But I feel like really big, big influences. I was talking about it the other day. Is growing up in Texas, it's kind of hard not to be influenced by Texas music, especially at that time when we were young. Like Swisher House and people like that were putting music out that was. Um, the quality wasn't even there. It was like definitely done at home type, like, and that really motivated me. Like, oh man, we do this. Like, we're already freestyling at parties and stuff like that. So to hear, um, to hear people that everybody is jamming, that's the most popular music out where we're at, and the quality isn't even there. It sounds like some stuff we could do ourselves. I'm like, oh, like we gotta do it. We gotta try it. You know what I mean? So I feel like that was a big inspiration coming up in Texas. My whole everything when I started was kind of based on that same layout, mixtapes, jacking other people's beats, uh, pressing up CDs, selling CDs, et cetera, et cetera. Like we kind of just took that blueprint and just ran with it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know what I mean? And now you are promoting your recent EP that was released this week. It's called This Is Change. I assume that your way that you would roll out an album or share your music with people that's evolved a little bit a whole lot a whole whole lot like like i said my first um well speaking of this is change this is actually i've been you know releasing cds so to say you know projects since 2005 so this is 17 years that i've been actually involved in releasing music but up until this cd right here it's all been 
um, you know, the first 10 years of my career um, was spent on like mixtape stuff that we didn't own. Like I just said, Jack and Beats, et cetera, et cetera, stuff that made us money then selling CDs, but doesn't make us any money today. Um, so coming off of that and trying to get into the original music realm and starting to push that the past years since then, I've been doing uh, collaborations with other people, et cetera, et cetera. So I have released some original content, but it's always been like me and another artist, uh, me and another artist always. Um, and this right here is the first one ever that I've ever put out that's 100% original, that's all me. It's a solo project. It has no features on it. It's only me. I'm the only person on the whole CD. Uh, the production is all done by one person and everything. Um, so it's completely different. And then now with digital, it's like, man, I'll, I actually did press up CDs this time, but just as like a fundraiser thing. And I think I only pressed up like 100 copies off top. Um, and back in the day, you know, we were having to buy a thousand, a thousand CDs at a time from the manufacturers. And we're going back for another thousand. Like it was a whole different ballgame. And today it's all digital. And so with this approach on this album, we really tried to max out on uh, on digital purchases because... Uh, I feel like in this day and age, you have to have those numbers to show of what you're doing. So people have to be able to say, oh, he's out here. He's doing this. So we really try to amp up and get the digital sales, pre-orders. We push for pre-orders for probably a good month and a half. Probably should have gave myself a little more time. But, you know, we was ready to get this first quarter rocking. Um, so, yeah, the digital game is way different, way different. The album dropped on 2222. Yep. This was February 2nd, 2022. And at the time, it was charting. So I think some of the yeah. what you did to get people to download and pre-buy yeah. the album, it seemed to look. I was looking at it that morning, and I saw it on the hip-hop charts. Yeah, yeah. I, I think um, I think before it's released, we had hit number three on Amazon and number 13. Uh, that was for rap, hip-hop, and 13 on all genres. So we were waiting on iTunes, and when iTunes uh, hit, and we jumped out the box, I think we got it uh, as high as three on rap, hip-hop, and, uh, and 23 I think, on all genre, and that's for albums. Yeah. So if listeners of Downtown Depot aren't familiar with you and your style and what they might listen to were they to download or get one of the hundred CDs of This Has Changed, yeah. explain the script style. Tell people what you're about and what makes your version of rap, R&B, hip-hop so unique. Uh, I feel like, okay, well, I, I go by prescription, but my, my record label uh, that we've always, um, that we started from the jump, it's called One of a Kind Records, and I did that because I truly feel like my sound is one of a kind. I don't say I'm the best artist or got the best songs, et cetera, et cetera, but I feel like I am one of a kind. Nobody sounds like me, like whether it be my dialect, my tone, my the way I word things, I truly feel like it's one of a kind. So I feel like that's what I bring to the table is something unique, something you haven't heard before, something that you hear and, and you find out that's me. Every time you hear that, you're going to be like, oh, that's old boy because you're going to know it. it's unique. You know what I mean? I feel like that's what I bring to the table. You have on this EP put out six different songs, mm -hmm. and I was – listened through it all this week and I, I love hip hop personally and I'm always interested in what's happened in the in the scene here. One of the songs on the title track, This Has Changed, you're talking about ducking distractions. Yeah. What are some of those distractions for you? Oh, what man. what are you referencing in man, that? Is this like a COVID anthem? Is this nah. just like a, a life in general <laughs> anthem? Man, all kinds of distractions, you know, in the life we lead and making me we stay on the go, we stay on the road, we stay away from home, we stay busy, we stay, you know, there's tons of things that distract us from tons of things that probably should be putting our energy and efforts towards. So many people in my life get neglected, so many, you know, all kinds of things, bro, because of distractions and so many bad decisions in my life came from distractions and, you know, I just feel like 
there's so many distractions. Um, I'm always ducking a distraction, you know, always, always. I'm not even going to pinpoint one because everybody got their own distractions. I feel like I left it like that so it's universal for everybody so you could put whatever your distractions are in your mind in that point in time because everybody got distractions. Bro. Another favorite track of mine on the record is Twin Flames. Oh, yeah. And I can say with pretty strong confidence that you are the only musician to ever rhyme Swishergram with Enneagram, yeah. the ancient Jesuit personality test. Yeah. So you've been doing some introspection over these last couple of years. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. There's been a lot of growth. Just like uh, in the This Is Change track, I say growth and all that stuff. Like that growth is a huge part of what's going on. And uh, without diving too deep into it, if you know anything about a twin flame, you know with that comes a lot of growth. Um, and so just underlying, underlying theme being changed throughout the whole project, it, for sure, has been a... Uh, a crazy road these past couple of years, for sure, for sure. Help me understand the Waco hip-hop scene, both in 2022 and historically. Because before I moved to Waco in 2015, I assumed this was a, a red dirt country town just like everyone mm-hmm. else. And maybe it's just been in the last seven years, but it seems like there is a very frothy hip-hop scene in Waco, and particularly with jazz influences. Maybe some of that's coming from students at McLennan. But what what's the history of Waco rap and where are we headed? Um, man, Waco rap started very 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 long time ago. We did a documentary with Lindsey Lipman. Shout out Lindsey Lipman uh, about Waco hip hop. It actually won a Telly and a SCA. And this is and the Blood Sweat and Beats. Blood Sweat and Beats. Yeah, yeah. And um, that right there, we went all the way back to the breakdancing days. You know, in the in the late '80s and early '90s, and touched base on different acts that helped pioneer things around here. And one of the ones that me growing up when I was out here, one of the ones that I first saw and that helped me a lot. Uh, knowledge-wise was Hustler E, who is from Waco and was one of the first people to ever film a movie from here. Waco Kane, shout out, shout out Hustler E, man. Waco Kane is a classic. And I just, there's there's been a scene here. I feel like there wasn't always a um, access for that scene to do things. Like, take for instance, I throw a lot of events now. And back in the day, it was almost impossible to throw events. You know, we were having to pay $1,500 just for the venue, just to get the event a location on top of everything else we had to do. So they were really putting us in a corner where it was impossible for us to throw events. And now that definitely has has changed. Shout out people like uh, Key Waco Loud that have really sparked a change around here in the past few years. I had Lindsay Lippman on Downtown Depot sitting in that same seat just before that documentary came out. And she told me something that has stuck with me since. But apparently when Lindsay was growing up in the 80s in Mejia is where she was from, yeah. And forgive me if I'm butchering this, Lindsay, but apparently the parents petitioned, I guess it was Charter or AT&T, whoever the cable company was, to get rid of MTV because that was where all the bad, evil stuff was. But the cable packages still had BET and it had CMT, the country music channel. So there ended up being this generation of people like Lindsay who never got into grunge. They never got into all the 90s stuff everybody was listening to, but they grew up loving hip hop. And they grew up loving country music. Yeah. And there's a lot of fusion in that here. And you have that song Trunk Sang yeah. that is basically like a country anthem yeah. with hip hop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, well, like I say, coming from West, you know, we in the country and Texas in general is a whole lot of country here. So um, and Charlie has a very country sound. Trilly has a very country sound. Everything about that track. Uh, shout out Amari on the beat. Everything about that track just had a country slap kind of country, kind of churchy um, influence to it, which is how their music is heavily influenced. And I feel like um, I feel like the South, I, 
I like the South Sound. We don't always we don't always stay in the South Sound, but the South Sound is is amazing. There's a whole lot of that mashed together country hip hop that's actually began to be a really really popular genre, taking it further even more on the countryside. You got artists like Jelly Roll and and people like that who are breaking records. He just performed. He was he he was a rapper and now he's making music. He just performed at the Grand Ole Opry. You know what I mean? Like you're breaking down barriers because of the way that the music is blended together. And Shameless Plug, I actually have a song with Jelly Roll. It's called Do. And dirt roads, and it's available now everywhere. You know what I mean? But yeah, yeah, the the match together is nice, man. Nice. I think it's instructive for fans of country music to see a black person singing a country song, or for someone like Darius Rucker, who was with Hootie and the Blowfish. He was their lead singer. Now he's a black man who's doing country music. And then there's plenty of white people who are doing hip hop, which is traditionally a black art form, whether it's Mac Miller or M&M's performing at the Super Bowl. Rest it, in peace, Mac, man. It, yeah. it, rest in peace, exactly. But it does seem like music is democratic enough and meritocratic enough that the way you look and the color of your skin isn't as important as if you got fire coming out. No, yeah, it, it definitely comes down to the music. At the end of the day, it comes down to the music. If the music is good, people are going are gonna to gravitate towards it. Like, that's... That's uh like when Lil Nas X hit the country music charts and then they took him down. Like, bro, you, you can't you can't change the fact that people was rocking with the music. You know, um, um, now your discrepancy on whether it qualifies as country music or not. You know that that's on you. But um, but uh, there's there's been huge growth uh, uh, and and all that. I love to see it. Uh, I I love to see it. And, and that's not new. It's it's gone back plenty of times. If you were to do a history and, and research, you know, you would say rock and roll is predominantly a white genre. But re- originally, rock and roll was not invented by by white people, bro. It was not. So um, you know, it's all it's all perception and what's put in your face, and that comes down to marketing and promotion, man. So. That's been going on for a long time ago, man. There was black country singers um, b- before Darius Rucker uh, was uh, Price. Charlie Pride. Yeah, yeah, man, there you go, Charlie Pride. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's it's nothing new. I think now you just see it. Uh, you see it more. It's more. It's more accepted, and you see it more. But it's definitely not nothing new, man. It's 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 been like that out here. You're hearing from Peyton Bryce, aka Prescription. His album "This Is Change" dropped this week, streaming everywhere: Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, YouTube, etc. You have or at least part of this private hip-hop brand. Mm-hmm. Um, you host the Private Hip-Hop Podcast. You're putting out private hip-hop shows. How did that union come about and that idea to start a podcast? Well, I was doing the parties first. I was doing the private hip-hop parties first, and the parties are where we would take about eight local acts and give them a platform, put together an event, and they would call them private hip-hop parties. We didn't put the address on the flyer. You had to know somebody performing. You had to hit them up, and they had to personally send you the address. And we did quite a few of those. And then right around the time, like, COVID hit and things were kind of slowing down, there was uh, Rogue Media, who was located in Waco, and they have podcasts and uh, underneath, underneath them and stuff like that. They ran a competition uh, when they were starting, and they were giving away um, – um, podcast. If it was like a pitch competition, you come up with a pitch, you pitch it, you could win a podcast deal. And um, I entered and I went and pitched the idea of the Private Hip Hop Podcast, and we were one of the ten winners selected. So in once and I won- this is you and your co-host Mary Jane Evans. Well, at that time it was just me, and uh, when I had the idea, and so once I won, I was like, okay, what could I do? And like, how could I put it together? And Mary Jane was one of the first people that came to mind for a couple reasons, because at the time she had been working at um, a radio station here for some years. So she had that under her belt. She was very good at her craft. And then our names go together very well, Prescription and Mary Jane. So it just I reached out to her and she was on board. And from there, we just we just ran with it, man. Shout out to Rogue Media. They really helped us out with that and got us going. And now 
it has grown and evolved into even even more than the party and the podcast. We have all kinds of things going on underneath the private hip hop brand, and it's probably one of the things that I'm invested in the most right now, aside from this album, is the private hip hop brand. What would people hear if they tuned into the podcast? It, it, it depends on what day you tune in. So all our content is released on all platforms, like uh, the podcast come on every platform, Spotify, et cetera, et cetera. But our main platform, I would say, is YouTube because we have a visual behind our podcast. So on that same YouTube channel, we have the podcast, which are usually about 40 minutes interviews with people and that we have real questions and then we play games and stuff too. But then we also have music reviews uh, live on there twice a week. We have recaps from events we go to. We go to events with mics and we do short interviews with people at events and we post that as well. So we're really just doing media coverage and everything. We're posting all kinds of stuff underneath the private hip hop brand and all those kind of have their own things going like the music reviews, the podcast, they're all separate um, but they're all on the same channel and I feel like YouTube is really what we're trying to build the most with that brand. So it is available everywhere though, Spotify and like I say and everywhere else. So if you're listening and you listen to podcasts on an audio platform, you can still get it. But YouTube, that's 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 where we're at the most, man. I went to one of your private hip hop shows at a biker bar in Bell Mead called mm-hmm. Rockies. Yeah, shout and out Rockies. You you had brought in Devin the Dude, yes, who is a, a famous Houston R and B star. And I mean, we're talking Andre three thousand, Snoop Dogg. He's done it with everybody. Hey, everybody. And I was just so impressed being at this show. Maybe it's because it was my first one since COVID and I was finally getting to be around people and hear live music. But Prescription and Friends opened up for Devin the Dude. And what I was referencing earlier, this jazz fusion, um, you were up there with saxophonists and pianists Mm -hmm. and some of them stuck around and played with Devin the Dude too. That was just an incredible melting pot of experiences for me. And I really appreciated that you put that on because it was showcasing hip hop in a different way. It was showcasing hip hop at a biker bar where a lot of the people who probably normally go to Rockies aren't there listening to Devin the Dude no, normally. For sure. for sure. And 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 that's that's uh, I I seen you that night. I appreciate you coming out. Um Rockies man, they 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 showed us a lot of love whenever there wasn't really a place for us to throw the type of events we were wanting to throw and them giving us that outside area that we were using over there was a blessing and we we've thrown events there for a couple of years and the Devin show it was one of my favorite shows I talked about the other day is uh it goes on my list of one of my favorite shows because of a few things the show was live of course and the prescription and friends like you said but Devin as a person was like amazing bro like he hung out afterwards and ate cake with us and the next day he had an hour interview and he stayed for like five hours like he's just a an awesome person bro his energy was amazing so it was a real great experience but opening up for him with the band was live it, it was real dope shout out to everybody who's involved in the band you say jazz i'm pretty sure you're talking about saxy gerald with those sax up there my boy mike with the trumpet and we had sean on the keys torvis on the drums we had Shiree singing my boy nick ben atkins uh you know we, we're really a big collective up there and i like to do the hip-hop with the live music because to me I'm not going to say people don't give rap a chance, but you get a whole different kind of chance when you're on that stage with a band because live music resonates with people a little bit different. So I love performing with the band Prescription and Friends. I try to do it as much as possible. I'm hoping to get in a live album recording this year, and I'm probably still going to sneak out that that the exact show you're talking about. We filmed an EP or we recorded an EP audio-wise of the band playing with Devin. 
and uh, release the tapes. I know Let's go. he wants it. I know that's why he brought it I, up. I want people he to hear this it. because even if you think that you don't like hip hop or you don't like rap, you would hear something like this and say, whoa, that sounds a lot more like poetry and beautiful music together. Yeah, I love it. It brings a different element. And it's, we're going to release it. It's coming this year. It'll be a teaser for the album recording. And uh, it's seven tracks. And the last one is uh, Lackville 79 with Devin the Dude and the band. And uh, fire, man. Fire. I do think that more hip-hop artists should move toward having a live set with them because I love hip-hop. I've been to a lot of shows. And I remember going and seeing Jizza one time from the Wu-Tang Clan. Right. And it's just him with a microphone and moving his arm up and down. And it gets really boring after you've been at a music festival and you've seen all these other groups with five and six people on stage, even just having a guitar in your hand or a tambourine. That makes it so different. And the music in hip-hop is so complex. And I want people to be able to understand all the work that went into building those beats. But when you just have a single-layer sound with a DJ in the back, it's harder for people to visualize how complex some of these compositions are that you're rapping over. No, for sure. And and one, one of my favorite things is the NPR Tiny Desk. Uh, the Tiny Desk is amazing. That To me, that is, that's always a very good example of, of what an artist can do with that. I like that. I like the, uh, um, like... Uh, the Mac Miller Tiny Desk is one the, of my, my favorite my Tiny Desk. man. The 2009 and all that was amazing, man. Amazing. And and like even even like you just said, even adding one instrument. We just performed at we opened up for uh, Riff Raff a couple months ago, or probably like in October, I think. And uh, he performed, and all he had added to his was one electric guitar. He had one dude on stage on electric guitar, just adding riffs to every song. And man, the energy nuts! Like it adds so much to the show, man. Live music. I'm a big supporter of live music, man. If you haven't seen Prescription and Friends and you get the chance to come see us, man, come out, man. I, I truly feel like you will enjoy it, man. And you got that one song on the new EP. I think it might have been Reassurance. Where it sounds like Carlos Santana's in the background. My guy. So shout out my cousin. He's uh, the only person besides C. Walker who produced on that album. His name was Hunter Drake. Uh, he 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 is very, he's what I guess you would call a savant. He's self-taught and he can play any instrument except for a woodwind instrument. He really sleeps on himself uh, talent-wise. He uh, like he really be sleeping on himself. Shout out my guy and put him on blast. He just got out of jail yesterday. He needs to stay out of jail, my guy. Uh, man, he's super, super talented, man. He has no idea how talented he is. And he's actually been featured on many of my tracks that have accolades, like the Jelly Roll track and other tracks like that, like he's been a part of. So a lot of what I have accomplished, he's accomplished. He's on this EP, et cetera, et cetera. Like as long as I keep including him, I feel like he's his, his resume is building just like mine. So I, I'm hoping that uh, his studio musician uh, business can take off soon because he definitely is talented. That's amazing. Comparing to Carlos Santana one more time, so I can I can, I, I can quote that. You know. <laughs> so, ten years from now, this is change is just a footnote on all the accomplishments that you've done. Uh, Nardwar is doing an interview with you. He's handing you a CD with one of those 100. This is change discs that you pressed. Um, what did the next 10 years like for you, for you to really make it, quote unquote, as, as you would see it, where you know, you're getting interviewed by a hip hop journalist? What, what does making it look like for you? And is that in Waco? Do you have to leave Waco in order to make it? What are your thoughts on that? I don't think you have to leave Waco to make it. I think, number one, I feel like we, are, we already made it. My goal has already, my goal has been to be able to provide a life 
um, off of music, uh, and that's what I've been doing for the past 10 years, whether it's been, like, the music we make or services that we offer based behind the music. Um, I feel like I'm already doing it. You know, I, one of my goals is to own land. We own land. Shout out the, the acres. We got 10 acres out there in West, um, you know, and, and to build a house, I build me a house. Like, we're, uh, we could always have a bigger house, you know what I mean, and stuff like that, and all that stuff will come. I have I have faith that all that stuff will come, but technically I feel like we're already making it. But I guess to be on that level, what's going to be needed is going to be uh, to stay buckled down on marketing and promotion. I feel like over this whole time of my career, we have really just been moving freely and we haven't like um, had a strategic game plan. We might have had a game plan, but it wasn't actually mapped out. It had a budget behind it. And where we're at right now is I'm really not trying to release anything or do any kind of work at this point if we're not going to be putting uh, marketing and promotion behind it because it's just going to keep reaching a plateau. And I feel like the the money that I invested behind this release was nowhere near what should be uh, put behind a release, but it, look at what we did with it. You know what I mean? We came out the gate and hit the charts and everything. So I just am trying to show people that you can do this with your Waco resources. You can do this from here, and it's just a starting point, and it's just going to get better, man. It's just going to get better. It's not going to – it's, it's going to get better. How do you strategize? You're talking about laying out the plan. Are you – reading Dr. Dre's biography? Are you interacting with other hip hop heads in different communities to figure out, okay, what are you doing in that part of country? What are you doing over here? Mm, I guess we really just try to stay tuned in and see what's going on on the mainstream level and the when I say mainstream, I don't mean like the main mainstream artists. I would say like the people who there's a lot of people that we listen to who um we would consider mainstream because, you know, they, they get millions of streams, but they're not, like, the most famous. They're not the ones that are on TV the most. Like, you know, shout out amazing artists that um, that should get more light, like Isaiah Rashad and like people like that who, who to us are, are next level, but you might not see them performing at the Super Bowl. Like, people like that, their strategies, you watch what they do. Like, it, it, it works. You can do it on an independent level if you do it correctly. Um, so watching stuff like that, but then in general, you got to – I'm a hands-on learner. I feel like – I feel like if I see something, like I see somebody do it with my own eyes, I can do it. Like I, if I just have to see it and analyze it, and and so we stay moving around, we stay on the road, we stay Dallas, uh, Austin, Houston, San Antonio. Uh, I mean, we go to different states sometimes. Um, it just depends on what we have going on. Shout out my boy Cam. We'll be flying to New York soon. We got some stuff going on, and and we're going to Colorado soon. We're gonna be out in L.A. Like um, we just. I try to go and be around people who are doing um, at least what I'm doing or better uh, and so that I can soak up game and share game and, and try to just apply that to what we got going because you, you're going to learn something new every day. You're never going to stop learning. And there's always somebody out there who knows something you don't. And there's always somebody out there who could benefit from what you got going and that you could benefit from. So you got to stay meeting new people. You got to stay networking. And I feel like that's one of my strong points too, is just networking. I, networking is something I've always been good at. And that's where I learned a lot of what I want to do strategy wise, just from networking and finding out what's working for other people. You know, Peyton Bryce, AKA prescription P I R S C R I P T I O N. Uh. The new album is this is change. Find it everywhere. It is available for you to download and Keep an eye out for private hip-hop shows. Check out the podcast. And Scrip is around. He's here in Central Texas putting on shows and supporting everybody. So thanks for coming through Downtown Depot and sharing your story. Oh, man, I appreciate you having me, Austin. And, and yeah, we're in Waco, but uh, we might pop up on you in your city, man, if you're not. So you know what I mean? <laughs> Tap in. <laughs>
Thanks again to Prescription, the whole one-of-a-kind team, and you for tuning in to episode 120 of Downtown Depot here on Waco Public Radio. Find me on social media in between episodes at Waco Business News and tune back in on Friday, February 18th for another conversation with an inspiring small business owner, civic leader, or engaged citizen sparking Waco's revitalization. I'm Austin Meek, and you've been listening to Downtown Depot, where we track the ins and outs of Waco business. 